I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, politics is like curling, you know, the Olympic sport. Uh, that's got my attention. I'm curious. What does that mean? This is John Huber. I'm sitting in for Boyd Matheson today. I'm your former U.S. attorney here in Utah. Politicians regularly do interviews. Many times it's for the sake of their communications team, rather by personal choice. But often they seem unprepared to answer basic questions about the issues of the day. Some of their answers are really good. That's how they got elected. While others miss the mark by miles, and you wonder, how did they get elected? So the question is, What's going on behind the scenes? Why do they look so unprepared at times? Sarah Isker from the Dispatch spoke with inside sources about why the Olympic sport curling relates to preparing for interviews. Now, I know Sarah Isker. She was the chief of the public affairs department at the Department of Justice when I was serving in the Trump administration. In her piece for the Dispatch, Sarah Isker used an interview that Vice President Kamala Harris did with CBS News' Margaret Brennan to show what happens when politicians don't do their homework. So let's take a listen. Here's a short clip from the Vice President's interview. Was it wrong to consider inflation transitory? I mean, these price spikes seem like they're going to be with us for a while. We have to address the fact that we got to deal with the fact that folks are pay, paying for gas, paying for groceries, and are, 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 are need solutions to it. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Short-term solution includes what we need to do around the supply chain. Well, look, I mean, it's a hard job to be the vice president of the United States or any elected official to be put on the spot. Sometimes, though, they're not put on the spot. They're just not prepared very well. So Sarah Isker went on to explain what goes through her head when she hears politicians poorly answer questions during an interview and compares that with the winter sport of curling. Let's listen to Sarah. Whenever you see a politician, you know, bomb some debate answer or some interview, a lot of the times I see, you know, oh, how did their staff fail them like that? And it makes me laugh a little because it's this idea that we as staff are somehow the puppet masters and we control everything that comes out of this person's mouth. And I was watching the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, uh, last time around. It's coming up in a few weeks, by the way, and I'm so excited. (laughs) But uh, last time around watching the curling team, and I see these guys, you know, furiously with these brooms on the ice who look to be accomplishing nothing, right? (laughs) I thought, that's my career. That's what I do for a living. (laughs) There's a 44-pound stone going down the ice, and I'm sitting there with this broom furiously brushing, hoping to make even a little bit of difference. And these, you know, people on cable news are like, why didn't she just change the direction of the stone? Because I've got this broom. That's not what it does. 
Vice President Harris's interview with CBS the other day, and she gets asked this question on inflation, and just, it was a terrible answer. It was a 45-minute interview. She gave lots of good answers. You know, this one was the worst answer, but it was so bad. And so I really sat down and tried to think about, like, okay, how do you end up as the vice president flubbing an answer on something so obvious that you know you're going to get asked about? The question was, was it wrong to consider inflation transitory? So there you go. That's a pretty interesting analysis in comparison to curling uh, these staff people who try to prepare the the policymakers, the politicians for these interviews and, you know, do all they can to prepare them. But look, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the politician. That is really tough to to be expected to be an expert on every issue, uh, you know, at the drop of the hat, basically. Well, Sarah Isker has put a lot of uh, attention and, and research into these issues. She also explained what the job of the communications staff is to help prepare a politician for an interview. And, you know, it's a tough job to get someone ready who, you know, maybe has uh, a dozen other things on their mind at that time, and now they're being asked to go on the record and talk about something that maybe they haven't put a lot of thought into. So let's listen to this perspective that Sarah offers. The number one job of a communication staffer, at least, I think, is to be able to Guess in advance what reporters want to ask your boss. And getting the topics, that's part of it. But literally getting even the wording is often, you know, part of it. Uh, Reporters will have these long walk-ups, you know, where they'll give you, like, all of this (laughs) lead-up and opinion and some facts thrown in there. And then, you know, the question itself will be very short. Was it wrong to say inflation was transitory? And, you know, a lot of principals can get tied up in that lead up. They want to dispute the premise um, or they will never answer the question that was asked. And so there's a whole lot that goes into preparing your principal for those types of interviews. So this is interesting, and it brings back a lot of memories. Uh, I wasn't a politician. I'm not a politician, but I was a, you know, as a presidential appointee and I was asked to be the the voice of the U.S. Department of Justice or the, uh, the the federal government on particular issues in Utah, and there were some you know pretty intense times when I was expected to step up and be a spokesperson. I had staffers who would help me. Staffers have to know what questions are going to be asked in the interviews and to do their homework. Uh, politicians or principals is what Sarah calls them. You know. It, it's hard to be prepared for the type of interviews they receive. Um, you know, reporters' questions may have principles in them that that uh, the politician can't agree with, and so they start thinking about that before they can get on to what is at hand. Um, well, Sarah Isker is a writer for the Dispatch, and she's worked on three presidential campaigns, as I've mentioned. She um, she worked for the Department of Justice when I did. At least we we overlapped for a time. Uh, this is a tough job, and there's some very interesting things. And these politicians who seem so confident all the time, uh, it's sometimes i got to tell you, it's enjoyable to see them maybe trip a little bit. Uh, hopefully people didn't get enjoyment when I tripped uh, in my past uh, public life. But uh, we're going we're gonna to go and take a break now, but we're going to come back, and we're going to look at this more. We're going to have some more clips for you to consider and lessons to be learned and to understand behind the scenes what happens behind the curtain that leads up to that good interview or that terrible interview by a politician. 
Inside Sources. Well, good afternoon. Uh, this has been a privilege uh, to be with you this afternoon. My name is John Huber. I'm the former United States attorney here in Utah, practicing attorney in the state of Utah, and uh, sitting in for Boyd Matheson today. This spot, we're continuing our conversation about why politicians seem so unprepared sometimes in their interviews, and they don't seem to have done their homework. It reminds me, uh, I was never a politician, but as a political appointee, a presidential appointee, I had to prepare sometimes for some difficult press conferences or interviews. I remember inviting out to Utah the Deputy Attorney General uh, at the time, Rod Rosenstein, and this was back during, remember, Russiagate and all that, and he had been operating in Washington, D.C. while I'd been working in Utah, and he came out, and we were going to do a joint press conference together, and his staffer... Uh, actually a deputy to Sarah Isker, was preparing him for this press conference. And, boy, they were getting really ramped up about all the things that they were going to have to face. And I said, hey, look, you're not in Washington anymore. You're in Utah. So you got to know your audience. And uh, the media in Utah do a great, fantastic job. But they're more, respect, re, more respectful generally and, and deferential. They still get the job done. But, uh, you know, it's a very different experience. And it was for them to prepare for an interview in Utah as opposed to an interview in Washington, D.C. Well, Sarah Isker from the Dispatch joined Inside Sources to talk about what staffers and politicians need to do to have good answers to hard questions. So prevention uh, or preparation prevents poor performance. In other words, practice makes perfect. And Sarah Isker, in this next clip, recommends lots of practice for politicians before they do their interviews. You got to practice, and you've got to practice with real questions, real media prep time. And so many principals will say, no, 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 I don't want to run questions. Let's just talk about the question. Truly, it's what they far prefer to do because it's not fun to run questions, uh, especially not running questions with someone who's 20 or 30 years younger than you and, like, you know, smarmy and snarky and whatever else they don't like about you. Um, and, you know, maybe you're sitting in the back of a car driving to some other event where they've got to give a speech and the last thing they want to do is kind of get their, you know, adrenaline up and whatever to, to run questions with you. But to me, the vice president's, you know, flubbed answer to this uh, reeked as someone who doesn't like running questions and instead wants to just, you know, chat about inflation. You know, to hear Sarah Isker talk about this, it really causes a flashback for me. It was in the summer of 2017, um, and uh, I got called back to Washington to appear at a press conference at the White House and speak on behalf of the Department of Justice. I flew back there, landed, and went over to the, to the department, and Sarah Isker had one of these practice rounds with me where I practiced and practiced and practiced in advance of that. And so you've got to practice if you want to be a policymaker who does okay on an interview. Not that I'm saying I did, but I remember going through this. Uh, and, her, you know, it's interesting. She says people never listen and take advice from younger people. So you have these uh, elected officials and policymakers who have been around the block, and you got a young person who's trying to tell them what to prepare for, and sometimes it doesn't go so well. So, you know, sometimes these people may want to break. If you consider politicians' actual job time, sometimes it's 24-7. I mean, even on the airplane home from Washington, they get hit up constantly. So Sarah says staffers need to take this into account when, pre when preparing their politicians for interviews. 
you do need to give them a break. You know, if they've had a 15-hour day, you're in the back of the car, and you need to say, like, all right, look, you know what? We need to go to dinner. We need to get you food. We need to have some downtime, and then we can do this later. And there's going to be other times where you're like, I'm sorry you've had a 15-hour day. You haven't eaten anything. But this interview's in 30 minutes, and now we we have to run a couple more questions before we go because maybe there's been some breaking news. And that you've got to know your boss and what how much you know bandwidth they've got left in that day. Um, and you've also, they need to know you and trust that when you say like, no, I'm sorry, we've got to run questions right now, yeah. that you're doing it because you've already considered the fact they've had a 15-hour day. You know, staffers, these are the people who, the entourage of the politicians, if if they're not on their game, if the staffers are not on their game, it's not going to go well for the politician. And that could be someone, you know, maybe you're not a fan of on the other side uh, of uh, of the political spectrum from you, and you might cheer on their mistakes. But it plays both ways for all parties, all comers, our own congressional delegation, the governor, and on down. Sarah explained what makes a bad communication staff. Well, there's also bad comm staffers that, for instance, they think they derive their power from saying no instead of saying yes. And they can often put their bosses in a bad situation where they've said no to so many interviews. Their boss is interacting with reporters so infrequently that when they do, that interview becomes a lot more important. Any gas becomes really, really blown up. Whereas if you just did interviews every day, it would lower the temperature of all of them. Uh, And I think that that's a staff problem of, Again, trying to like puff yourself up, like, well, I mean, I'm the gatekeeper. Yeah. That's a bad idea. Usually, yeah. your job is to again to hold that broom and sweep the ice, but the stone <laughs> needs to go where the stone's going. There you have that curling reference again. That's what staffers do to prepare politicians and policymakers to have a better interview. It's interesting to hear behind the curtain a description of what goes on because we just see the end result, and uh, you know the gaffes or the mistakes. Uh, or someone who really nails it. And this helps us better understand what's going on behind the scenes. But it is interesting, and you do see this dynamic in Washington with all these young people who are back in Washington, and it really kind of goes to their heads sometimes. They have all this power and influence behind the scenes, and uh, you can see them, you know, maybe not doing something in the best interest of the principal who they are trying to help succeed. Well, that was very interesting to hear from Sarah Isker, who is a writer for The Dispatch and has a past uh, career marks in serving presidential campaigns and serving the Department of Justice. Uh, Topics that she covered, practice makes perfect. Uh, How do you prepare someone to do a good interview? And you wonder about our congressional delegation and, and uh, the governor's office and others. And, you know, when they come across so well, you know, sometimes these, these people are really talented and they can speak on their feet well. But you got to know that behind the scenes, there is a crew of communication staff who are really helping them to hone down their message and do their best. And we know that if they don't have good communication staff, that's really probably going to lead to a poor interview. Well, that was great to hear from Sarah Isker, a writer for The Dispatch, and who has worked on a number of campaigns. We're going to wrap up our show today with a few closing remarks. Uh, This is John Huber, your former United States attorney, who had a chance to sit in for uh, Boyd Matheson today. And I've always enjoyed coming on to KSL Radio and sharing my thoughts with listeners 
many times in the past that's been as one of these officials uh, who is speaking and has a script and a message that they want to get across. But since uh, stepping down as United States attorney about a year ago at the invitation of President Biden, which is a nice way of saying I got fired, uh, you know, it's been wonderful. And that's why I wanted to highlight in the first hour the business dynamics in Utah, because now that I'm in private practice and helping businesses succeed and seeing challenges more as opportunities, it is a very refreshing change. And to see all the wonderful things going on in Utah, it's not a zero-sum game anymore as a federal prosecutor who has to really hold someone accountable. And it's a zero-sum, you know, someone has to win and someone has to lose. Uh, it's very different now, and it's very refreshing. And to hear uh, World Trade Center Utah come on board and all these other policymakers talk about business in Utah and the, the great things that's going on, and then the softer side with Pamela Atkinson talking about how our hearts go out to help individuals coming to our state. It's been a privilege being with you here on Inside Sources today, and I wish you the very best this coming new year. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.